Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast, your spot for everything Dynamo. I'm the Sinsky Man, and with me this time is Jake. Hi-ho, neighbor Sinsky Man. And Zach. Hey. We're going to be breaking down yet another home victory, take a laugh at our rivals, discuss Dynamo and League news, then we're previewing our U.S. Open Cup match. Like Mark Twain says, the secret to getting ahead is getting started. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with you, Jake. We had a 1-0 victory against Inter-Miami. You were not on the Bros, so why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts on our gritty performance. I mean, I got to say, our gritty performance is great, but I don't think anything is as great as your opening quote game. You're pulling out Mark Twain today. That's a departure from our usual uh, Lord of the Rings stick, and I, and I love it. I love it. I really do. Almost as much, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, totally uh, go back on what I just said. I loved our gritty win. Uh, I think that we, uh, again, I, I'm a broken record here, right? We, we, we played together. We played as a unit. We defended together. We were hard to break down. We made the other team have to really earn it. We got a little bit lucky here and there. Uh, Steve Clark uh, and his buddy, The Post, made some great <laughs> saves. Both of them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, loved the game. Loved to see stares of all people getting goals. We get goals from the weirdest places. Right. Our open play goals come from like our random left back who no one had even heard of before this season. And then our right back who isn't even really a right back. He's a center back that we were all kind of over last year because he was too slow. And now he's suddenly playing right back and scoring goals in the box from the run of play. I don't understand this team. I don't get it, but I know that I love it. Too slow, and yet we move into a position that generally requires a little bit more speed. Very interesting, and it's working. Zach, I just want to hit you up. Did you have any changes, anything you want to say that might be different from your Dyna Bros, or are you sticking with it? I'm sticking with it. I think it was a gritty performance. Um, Jake more eloquently said all the things that I said during Dyna Bros, that it was like a fine game. It felt like a fine game. It was fun. We did good, looked good, felt good. Nothing was like monumental to me. I feel like there was a couple moments that were almost monumental. Um, on a rewatch, I saw even more of those. Like it's, it's one of those things where it feels like our team is kind of at this precipice where we keep making these really great plays. We're doing things right. And it's just like, an inch from linking up and turning into some really yeah. remarkable stuff. Yeah. Um, for example, you know, I think on Dino Bros, I was a little hard on Sebus. I'm still a little hard on Sebus, but on a rewatch, I noticed, you know, more things that he was doing well, like better positioning in the box. I saw him make some, like, some far post runs off corners and set pieces that were, like, close, like close, you know, defender yeah. in the wrong spot, and that's a goal close. And that kind of thing, you know, on a rewatch, seeing seeing the the evidence that we're really doing the right stuff and it's just kind of a matter of timing um that's encouraging so yeah same felt good fine game feels like we're moving forward doing well yeah i think i'm right there with you sebis got he got a he got the bad on the dynam bros i gave it to him and i've wow. been like his staunchest supporter all year and Amen. and we're a quarter of the way through the season i saw that on the line today so a little bit a little bit surprised by that. Anyway, I, I think he played a lot better than we said. So I'm going to walk that back a little bit. I just think his touch is what's letting him down right now. And mm -hmm. I said it on the podcast. I think it's the pressure. He wants to score. And he made a lot of movement, a lot of good decisions. On the goal itself, I know he wanted that ball to fall to him. Uh, my 
might have been a good thing it wasn't because both of the center backs were on him. But you know he wanted it. He tried for a big header. Um, but his touch, like the man lost the ball three times of his own, own accord. So he's got to work on that or he's got to enjoy a spot on the bench because that's where he's going to be until he can catch a ball and score. I think. Jake, am I crazy? Uh, that Seves is going to be on the bench uh, for the rest of his time here? Maybe. Uh, we'll We'll see. He's... You know, the best thing I can say is he put in a pretty hardworking performance, uh, which which hopefully will endear him to Ben and hopefully he'll grow as a player. Like I'm still on the Sebus redemption train. The Sebus becomes a more complete forward and can play the role that Cordy Baird plays, but also, you know, like shoot the ball sometimes. Uh, I will say this. We've had a precious few goals from the run of play this year. Not not too many have come uh, from anything but penalties and set pieces. And I think two of them, I feel like maybe there's a third, but at least two of them uh, were with a traditional striker on the field doing traditional striker things, right? So we play yeah. most of the game very tight, very compact. Corey Baird plays that that interesting role with the number nine. He's not really a false nine, or at least, and this is a weird thing to say, he's not a false nine in the traditional sense um he's some sort of space creating uh low touch uh high defensive high work rate number nine Uh, and it makes us really hard to play through and then late in the game we'll sub on thor or we'll sub on sebas and um bossy's run of play goal a few weeks ago i believe against la was with thor on the field and if thor wasn't occupying the center backs making the run at the near post uh, bossy doesn't have the space to take that shot and in this game we see with uh again daniel stares goal stares scored yeah. a goal from the run of not even a set piece um stares definitely does not have the space he does if we don't have a traditional striker this time being Sebas making that sh- traditional striker run towards goal occupying center backs um which i think you you put it on our, our little rundown sheet here Did. Uh, it was a bit of a Baird-esque play, right? Occupying other players, creating space. Can't believe um, I wrote that. Yeah, I I <laughs> thought maybe I wrote it. I can't believe you did. Um, but yeah, I think there's a tension in our season right now. Like on the one hand, are we better with Baird on the field? We're winning, right? We're picking up points. We're not shooting a lot, or, or rather, we're not creating a lot of high-quality chances. Um, but we're very hard to play through. We're picking up points, but our run of play goals happen when Baird is on the wing and we have an actual honest to God striker on the field. So I don't know what I think. Um, and I'm, I'm comfortable with, with sitting in that, in that mystery in my life right now. That's fine with me. That leads me to a point further down the list. Are we just lucky? Yes. You're you're talking about, (laughs) (laughs) right. You're talking about like, Things are strange, like doesn't make sense. And I mean, the goalpost did almost as much defending as Steve Clark had to do. Steve Clark saved five shots, but also the goalpost got hit by Escobar. He like kicked it into our own goalpost or no, he didn't kick it into our goalpost. He kind of let it go and it went into the goalpost. And Clark was very upset about that. He and Escobar were both kind of like yelling at each other, like, what are you doing? And Clark's probably right in that sense. Escobar kind of like lets it go by. It seems intentionally yep. because he thinks Clark's there. And then also they like smash it into Clark's other side, the goalpost over there. 
and I just waved my hand like y'all can see that the right side, Clark's right, right side. Someday yeah, we're gonna put these pointing to the right. Yeah, these actual recordings on the internet, and people will will get ninety percent of what you say that they're confused about right now. I'm a visual <laughs> man. Okay, I want people to see me. I'm and, uncomfortable, but it just smashes in there, and I'm just like, man, these goalposts and the PKs and. Our, our goals being very untraditional. It just feels like we're a lucky team. Is all this luck going to fail? Or is it like I told my wife just this evening, is this our year? Zach, what do you think? Um, yeah, I would say I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment. We're 25% through the season. I'm not going to comment on if this is our year. That's a whole fourth of the way through. Now's the time to comment. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. Um, but it does feel like we're lucky. And I guess that's like the other side of the coin that I was saying earlier, that it feels like we're doing a lot of things right. And there's a lot of timing, you know, that's related to our success and failure. Like we had a lot of stuff that we've missed because of timing. And it seems like we've had a lot of really like clutch, you know, game saving moments for us also because of timing. So yeah, it could be our year. Maybe we're doing better than we were last year. So Jake, jump in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the topic of luck, and, and I'm going to move a little bit away from how we feel about these games so far, though. I'm with you on feeling lucky on a few of these games. When you look at the advanced uh, numbers, right, the advanced statistics, the the expected numbers for expected goals and goals against, um, we are, are lucky. Uh, our expected goals against um, is... Lower or sorry, we are lower on the list than I expected. We're middle of the pack in the West for expected goals against. Uh, we seem to be hard to play through and we seem to be really good at in the box scrambles, which makes that number look pretty bad. But uh, over the course of a season, those numbers kind of become predictive and uh, it, it would seem that we should be giving up more goals than we are. Thank you, Steve Clark, Ethan Bartlow's face and the post. Um, and where we're karate kicks. And teenagers' karate kicks. We cannot undersell those. Um, the real issue, and this is going to surprise literally no one, is our expected goal numbers are incredibly low. Uh, we are third bottom in expected goals um, with 8.8 expected goals on the season. Th those numbers, if something doesn't give in one of those directions, it would be incredibly lucky for us to continue uh, the way that we have. Now, I do think that some of the luck is is luck that we make, right? Like we run at the box, we force defenders into weird positions, and uh, those shots in the box that have somewhat high uh, expected goals against, we're getting a lot of players around there, right? Like we're not really giving up too many open shots on goal. Um, so are we lucky? Absolutely. Am I going to pretend like we're doing really well anyway? You betcha. So, yes, it's our year. I'm glad we all agree, boys. <laughs> it sounds great. And you know who's taking us all the way? It's a man named Hector Herrera, a guy that I'm pretty sure everyone on this podcast except me sold out on last season. I was. I think this I was is not true. I literally can't. Like, I try not to cut you Receipts. off. But I can't let you keep talking on that. That's Receipts. That is incorrect. You cannot say that while I'm standing in front of you. Look, faithful. If you want to prove me wrong, go back, listen to last season. Boost those numbers up for us and, and tell me how I'm wrong on the Twitter sphere. Anyway, Hector's been incredible this season and he's all over the place. We were taking a look at his heat map pre-recording, uh, sans recording. And no, not sans recording. It would be pre-recording. Sticking with that, pre-recording. And it's just crazy. 
he covers the entire midfield and most of the final third. It's just uh, flabbergasting to me how much work this 32-year-old is putting in. Jake, can you explain that a little bit for us? Sure. I'm, a, I'm always the, the nerdy stats guy because uh, professor, uh, editor, uh, producer Ian refuses to talk to us. Um, he's in the room and he won't talk and he can make us all look stupid, but instead he's just judging us silently. He just lets his, us look stupid. With his little notepad and his pen about all of our mistakes. Listen, uh, Hector Herrera leads the team in touches in the attacking third and is tied for the team lead in this game uh, with touches in the attacking penalty area. Uh, this is a bit different from what we've seen earlier on in the season where Coco seems to be the farthest forward at, at nearly all times. Um, so we're, we're starting to see, I think, Ben's response to um, Coco's final pass not quite being there. Right, We're, we're trying to get Hector Herrera a little bit further on the field. And I think as well, our um, particularly slow way of moving the ball up the field is designed around Hector Herrera. Right, Hector Herrera is the best player on our team. He's one of the best midfielders in the MLS, but he's also about a thousand years old, um, and he doesn't have the legs that he used to, and he can't be making uh, all-out wind sprints, eighteen to eighteen all day long. So we move the ball up the field slowly with a lot of passes, so that he can make it up the field uh, and be involved around the box, and and hopefully we see more assists and goals coming from him, thanks to that in the next few games. This just in, uh, producer Ian's in my ear, and he says Hector Herrera isn't 32 anymore. He's my age, 33, uh, just celebrated his 33rd birthday, April 19th. Man, it's incredible to me how he plays the way he plays at this age. I I know what 33 feels like, looks like, and uh, <laughs> although I look a lot younger than he does in the face, uh, the, the man can run a lot more than I can. I'll say that. Zach, you just gave me a look. Go ahead, jump in here. Give your piece that on Hector. <laughs> it's just a look uh, oh <laughs> because of your bad knee. Yeah, like everybody can run a little bit more than you can, Chris. Yeah, I, I, we, again, the heat map has been really revelatory for us. It was a lot of fun talking about that before the recording, pre-recording, sans recording, and um, I think looking at looking at just kind of the way that our midfield has been operating has been interesting because our tour, you know, we talk about him. God, I feel like every single week, but even on our podcast. He doesn't really feature. We don't talk about him a lot, but then it rolls around to like Ben's bestie time or like who did the most contributing in the success of a game. And it's like, we're always talking about our tour and it feels like he does that on the field. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we hit on it a little bit. We've been talking about Hector moving up into the attack quite a bit. And I think again, you know, Jake talked about it before the recording, we've seen it on the heat map. It just feels like, again, that's our tour. Our tour makes that possible, right? He enables yeah. Hector, you know, to have the flexibility to move up the field and be that captain in the final third, uh, because our tour is coming in behind him and taking up the space that he leaves. And it's almost like, like Hector and our tour and Coco make this triangle with Hector and Coco in the mid, our tour, you know, rocking like the defensive mid position. And then as Hector moves up, that triangle just rotates, right? And our tour moves into Hector's spot, Hector moves up into the final third and it makes us dangerous. Um, so, as much as we can talk about Hector Herrera, I just, I can't, this is like the most we've talked about our tour on a, on an episode, it feels like, but we got to talk about our tour coming in and, and being that clutch, Absolutely. you know, flexible defensive midfielder that's able to move up and take that space and give Hector that freedom. 
I, I 100% agree. I sent a, a pretty fun tweet that I found on the on the Twitter, and it talks <laughs> about like who's the player of the season, the flop of the season, most improved, unsung hero, signing of the season, and everybody's talking about their Premier League team, which is nearing the end of the season, and Jake puts in a Dynamo one and makes. I have one team. Silly. One and, team. He's also a Liverpool fan. Just ain't been watching them lately. His his Liverpool arc has been completed. Yeah, um, when we won the trophy. But uh, signing of the season, I thought Jake put no one because Manny's a Tottenham fan and he his team is in like a major depression right now. So he Move put on. no Dynamo one. Stuff. <laughs> Cut it. And it's early in the morning. I'm getting everything mixed up. And I'm thinking Jake said that we did not have a signing of the season. And I was like, man, you are selling Artur so short. And then he like, smacks me in the face like what are you talking about <laughs> he's right there yeah he's been massive feels like he's a pretty good eight but is an incredible six to quote the written jake barry we here at dynamo faithful do not condone violence we just want to say that once again there was no actual smacking of chris's face it was a virtual beatdown. here at dynamo faithful all violence is metaphorical all right boys well i think that moves us along to the sponsorable segment ben's bestie of the week it's mm. my favorite segment. The This is the new segment of the season, in my mind. And I would love to hear from you guys. We'll start with Zach, work our way around to me after Jake. Zach, who's your Ben's bestie? <laughs> I'm a little confused about what we're doing now. Um, <laughs> look, I'll see you there or some other time. <laughs> uh, look, this is going to be this is going to be controversial um, and just. Just let me say it and don't say anything about it. But Sevis, he put the man in after how many weeks he's been riding the bench. Sevis is his bestie this week. He had to have been for him to get any any playing time at all. That's my opinion. They must have like bonded uh, last week. You know, he came into this game feeling good, and he was like, you know what, you know what, Ferreira, I'm going to put you on. I'm going to put you on the field, and uh, and he did it. So they have to be best friends now, right? They have to be best friends now, right? Man, I hope you're right. I hope you're 100% right on that. <laughs> okay. Jake, give me your Ben's bestie of the week. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what Zach just said. Um, I think Talk that the it. actual answer is Daniel Starez. He scored the goal. He was on the team of the match day. I think that's what we should say. But I'm sticking with Hector Herrera because that guy was everywhere creating everything. He had... Uh, a major part to play in nearly every phase of the game. I'm I'm sticking with Hector Herrera. That's that's Ben's bestie. Except the goal, Coco passes it out to Baird. Baird that was beautiful. heads it down. Sebis does the work to move the center backs. Starez <laughs> does the final job and shoots with the the force of a million and two sons into the back of the net. Kicks it with everything he has one time, and so Starez is Ben's bestie of the week. That man needs goals. Yeah, he keeps right. getting talked about how we can't score during run of play. And now Galaxy, we do it. They were a man down. Everybody's still like, I don't know about that. And then um, we have the goal against the Red Bulls, and everybody's still like, oh, it was a lucky counter. But now, here we are, and Starez is putting one in. So these guys are fighting, absolutely fighting for their head coach, Ben. And you love to see it. But Ben is giving Starez a kiss on the forehead after that. I'm telling you, for sure. He is Ben's bestie of the week. Two out of three, that's a majority. That's enough. Come put out your torch.
That's a Survivor reference. All right, I said in the intro we're going to laugh at our rivals. It is time for the Rival Watch. And you know what? I'm going to start with Dallas. They lost 1-3 to three to New York City FC. Pretty sure we beat them March 25th. And yeah, that uh, checks out. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. You gotta love it. These guys are getting their their heinies handed to them by by players and teams that we like put a thorough smackdown on, in my opinion. So it's nice to see that Dallas just is, like I said last week, starting to fall down the ladder. Houston's looking to take over. Jake, I see you pointing to yourself. Get in here. Dog Dallas with me. Yeah, I would dog Dallas, but they don't have a soccer team. That's that's how I feel about that. Frisco is a miserable excuse for a suburb, let alone a city. And, uh, they got the result they deserved. That's that's right. Absolutely, they did. And Zach, I'm going to move to you because Jake doesn't consider them a rival. Would you go ahead and tell what me how mean. Austin fared? Yeah, uh, Austin lost zero to two to LA Galaxy. Um, worth mentioning again, uh, Puig's couldn't score on us. Um, scored on Austin, right? Uh, clearly, they don't know how to handle handle themselves the way that we do uh, with their defense. So, zero to two looks good. Austin is pretty far down the table. Um, we're sitting what four four positions, five positions above them right now. In the West. Austin is uh, getting worked, man. They're getting worked. Yeah. So if this were if this was wrestling, they'd be what you call a jobber, which means their job <laughs> is to go in and lose every time. They are jobbers, it, straight up. It's a little cathartic. It's a little cathartic after, I think, you know, all of, like, Dynamo Twitter weathered, you know, a lot of uh, overzealous excitement from Austin fans last season. Right. Uh, yeah, so, that's nice. Yeah, seeing the snapback, um, they've had a pretty rough go of it, pretty rough run of games, uh, definitely seeing more red than green, uh, and that's exciting. And that was yeah. kind of a pun, unintentional pun, but there you go. More yeah. red than green in Austin. I would agree with you that it's cathartic. But why would I go watch them lose to be satisfied when I can watch us win? Are you kidding me? 1-0 victory in the fortress? Yes, let's do it. (laughs) All right. Jake, go ahead. The only true rival in your book, Sporting Kansas City. How are they failing? Uh, Delightfully. They are delightfully failing. They lost to New England 2-1 this past weekend. Uh, here's what I really want to say. Earlier, I was I was down on us for our uh, expected goal stat. I said we were third bottom, right? We're third bottom in expected goals in the West. That's a tough spot to be. Uh, who are the two teams beneath us, you might ask? That's a great Ooh. question. The answer is Austin, who is second bottom in expected goals. And the very bottom, you're going to love this one, Sporting Kansas City. Sporting Ooh. Kansas City, through a quarter of the season is still winless. They have a negative 10 goal differential and one of the worst expected goals against in the league. They are well and truly trash. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought I'd live to see the day, but here we are. Here we are, living in Last year there were excuses. Polito, he got hurt. We had to scramble for a replacement. Where's your excuse now, blue heck? <laughs> You've been downgraded. We're not be a fine. If, listen, if that's your eternal punishment, having to be in that stadium as Sporting Kansas City loses, like all bets are off. Do whatever you want. 
we have to be careful because we cannot afford a lawsuit and Sporting Kansas City <laughs> will threaten lawsuits against us. Yeah, we can't say we can't say blue H E double hockey sticks without getting a, a cease and desist thrown our way. Yeah. Amen. Okay. That's okay. I move a lot. They won't know when to send it to you. Time to move on to the news portion of this website. Yep, it's the nine o'clock news here on Dynamo Faithful. We're going to start it out with a pretty big deal. It's a last-minute signing. Tom Bogert says it's done. Um, multiple sources are calling it finished, but my boy Jake Barry found it first. He knew about it. He scouted. I'm pretty sure he flew out and watched a couple matches and said, this is the guy we're getting, boys. Jake, this is your find. Yeah, the you legend you- The Wait. legend of this moment has grown well beyond it. It should. Um I heard a rumor that Pat was in uh, Croatia looking at players, so a few of us got on uh, good old F-Bref, uh, which is how it's pronounced, not F-B-Ref. Give me a break. Uh, and just looked at some U22 forwards, tried to see uh, who, who might fit our team. On a whim, I take a look at this Ibrahim Aliu. Um, I look at his stats. Dude looks to be a hardworking uh, forward, uh, plays across the front line, uh, center forward, I think he plays right wing a little bit more than he plays center forward, but he certainly has the frame to be a striker in our league. Uh, he's 21 years old. He's going to be a U22 initiative signing. He's a oh. Nigerian youth international who played for Lokomotiva in the Croatian league. Um, some some stats, right? We've, we can watch some highlight videos and see some of the things he can do, but his stats over the last year or two, I think, speak pretty highly of him. He started 34 games last year. His starts were down a little bit from that this year, but that goes to show that he's already at the age of 21, had two full seasons as a full professional player in a professional league. Now, the Croatian League, right? it's not the Premier League, but that's still playing against grown men, right? So uh, when it comes to is he ready for the physicality of the league, we haven't had any U22 players that have had this type of experience of playing Uh, in a full pro league for two whole years before coming to us. And then you take a look at some of his his actual stats. We don't have good, like, analytics numbers on the Croatian League, unfortunately, so I can't speak to expected goals, the places that he gets to to take shots. But I can tell you this. This season, he fouled someone 48 times. Uh, (laughs) He won won 23 (laughs) tackles uh, and seven interceptions. If that's not a Benny ball forward, I don't know what is. This guy is definitely going to put in the hard yards as a hardworking forward. Uh, He also had 38 crosses this year, which tells me that he is comfortable on the wings. Um, And six goals and an assist this year and six goals last year. That's not lighting the world on fire, but considering he does seem to play right wing a bit more than he plays right in front of goal, those are decent numbers for a young player. Um, all told, uh, coming from Manuel Veth, he's reporting that this is going to be a fee of around 2.1 million euros. Varying uh, the lead there in American dollars, that's, I don't know, apples, to, who cares? Um, it's a lot. Uh, Three million, right? Varying right. the lead there with the, the uh, currency translation is the fact that it seems like this is going to be a purchase and not a loan with a purchase option. Now, don't quote me on that. We haven't heard any official word on it yet. But 
That's a big deal, and it's a big departure from what we've seen with these U-22 signings so far. So far, the U-22 initiative signings we've seen from our GM have been uh, very blatant gambles, right? Uh, Going and getting Nelson Quinones, who didn't have many minutes in the Colombian League, uh, but we believed could could maybe turn something out. Or Tiago, who we literally never watched play. We saw a YouTube video and heard some nice things about him. We're like, sure, we'll bring him in. And with both of those players, we brought them in on a year-long loan to see if they were worth their purchase fee. This guy, if we're going in with the purchase fee up front, it means a few things. One, the GM, the coach, uh, the technical director, really believe in him. That's big. Uh, two, we are already invested in him, and so it's he's he's going to get the playing time. It might take a while to get the playing time, but he's going to be on the field. One thing, if I could play host for just a, a few moments here and ask, ask the faithful oh. 2.1, 2.1 million euros for the guy that I just described. How do you feel about that price? It sounds like a lot. I don't know how that translates to gam, but it sounds like a lot to me for, for a kid, for somebody who is coming from a league that I know nothing about. And, that means nothing, right? But honestly, if the command center is sold on this, then I think I'm on board, right? I want to be in the room, so I'm on board. Zach? Yeah, I'd agree. This seems like uh, it seems like an endorsement, right? $2.1 million on a buy, no loan. Um, it, obviously, we're kind of in the dark about this, right? It's all just based on a rumor. Pat was in Croatia. Jake did great research. This looks like this is what's going on. Um, but you have to assume with a with a commitment level like that, two point one million, just like right on the table, um, and we're just taking you. There's no there's no like backing out of the out of the contract. That feels like either there was some really significant scouting, and they had their eyes on this guy for a while. Um, ben wanted him, you know, directly. Like had been watching him and decided this was the guy that he wanted. Um, they had really in, you know encouraging interactions with him you know, courting him through the transfer window, whatever. It seems like a really high level commitment. And that's encouraging because it just tells me, you know, and this is, you know, this is a little bit of assumption, but it just tells me that this guy's going to fit, right? They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be putting it on the table like that for a U22 player, unless they really, really believe that he was going to fit. And that's encouraging. You know, I, I don't think anybody in the dynamo Twitter space would argue that there, it hasn't been like a divisive topic are attacking. Um, Needs help. <laughs> yeah. Needs help. People aren't like happy with Corey Baird. You know, Sebas isn't getting time. Thor's been on the field like what once this season. Um, so it's encouraging. It's really encouraging for our for our technical team to go out and drop two point one million dollars on a buy uh, for a forward that puts in work. It just kind of feels like a puzzle piece, right? So yeah. praying that that's the case. And it's in a U twenty two slot, which I think Jake can explain that fully to us. I mean, yes. they're under twenty two years old, Chris. Oh, I know. So, oh, so the U22 initiative with MLS, and this is kind of why where I want to go with that talk about the transfer fee. Um, generally speaking, when when we hear about soccer teams in normal leagues spending X amount of money, we think, oh, that's now X amount of money gone that could have been used on someone else. But because MLS is super duper weird, just the absolute weirdest. Um, we don't have to worry about that, right? With the U22 uh, initiative, these players, their transfer fees do not count against the salary cap, whereas right. your average player, uh, including designated players, their transfer fees do count against the cap. 
right? So this is a player who uh, we could have paid $8 million for him. It wouldn't have mattered, right? The, the transfer fee does not count against our salary cap. So the only person who should care about those $2 million, you know who that is? Ted Siegel. Ted. And I think he's good for it, right? The, the limiting factor here in bringing in players has never been our owner's willingness to spend or how much money our owner has. Our uh, limiting factor in bringing in players has been MLS roster mechanisms. So we're using a mechanism. The thing that it's costing this team is not 2.1 million of cap space because it doesn't touch the cap space. What it's costing us is a U22 slot. So right. if he's a bust, that's what we've really lost. And that would suck. But I look at the we U22. have a forward. <laughs> we yeah. need this. I look at the U22s as an okay gamble anyway. I don't like... I don't expect the U22 slot to be the complete game changer, but so if it is, great. If yeah. not, it's a U22 slot. We're looking at a kid. We that's that's always going to be potential over like immediate in my mind. Uh, and also, there is one more limiting factor, Jake, that you forgot to mention, and it's been the Dynamo scouting ability, yeah. which before this season has been, I think, atrocious is the right word, uh, but. We've brought in so many things and stats related and all all of that. Producer Ian, if he was on the pod, he would use all the right words here. But we've got so many different organizations working with us, stats-wise, scouting-wise, that I'm starting to get more and more comfortable and believing in the system, especially when you're watching how things are work, rocking and rolling right now. So. And last thing before we move on to the next bit of news, it's FB ref, not Fabref, whatever, breathing out. (laughs) Speaking of the next segment, we've got longtime hopeful listener. I don't know if he actually listens. Finally getting his due. Tom Boggart. Is it Boggart or Bogart? I always read it. I never listen to him say it. Bogart, like Humphrey Um, Bogart, right? Bogart it is. Um, Got a job at The Athletic, which is awesome. I know you guys like to read it. Zach. Is this a is this a pretty good thing for Tom, old Tom, who I hope listens to us in our podcast? Yeah, I mean the athletics a, a mainstay in the sport reporting, sport journalism world, so really big deal. Um, you know, Tom's been a significant fixture in MLS in the soccer community. Um, excited for him. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. I like seeing MLS guys getting uh, getting propped up. You know, this is an MLS pod, so I think that's a cool deal. Let's go ahead and look at the future. You guys know I love to preview next matches, and this one's an interesting one. It's the U.S. Open Cup, ladies and gentlemen. Lamar Hunt's U.S. Open Cup. So let's go ahead and predict the future. We have the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, and the Dynamo are finally getting a feature match, except, haha, joke's on us. It's not being featured anywhere on television or streaming sites. I have no idea how we're going to get to watch this. But why don't you go ahead and give us some deets on this, Jake Barry, and tell us what we're going to miss out on. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, the U.S. Open Cup is a, is a really underrated trophy until uh, COVID uh, canceled it for a year. And, and that's you know one of, one of the many sad things about that time of life. It was the longest running continuously held tournament in the United States. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> and it's one, one of the, the three oldest, oldest. Yeah, one of the oldest competitions in the United States. Love an open cup. Also love 
playing against some lower league teams. Much has been made about the fact that MLS is a closed league with no promotion or relegation. Sorry, Ryan Reynolds and (laughs) your friend from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We don't have a team for you to buy that you can make famous for no reason at all. Um, it, it's great. It's great to see the the leagues play against each other. These are like the Super Bowl for these lower league teams. I mean, last year we saw some cup sets coming in with San Antonio beating Austin nice. with Union Omaha just going on a tear and beating several MLS teams. So these are exciting. Um, they're, they're, they're exciting and you always just got to hope that you're not the team that gets cup set. Um, we're playing against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who, for my money, have the silliest and simultaneously best uh, team name for a soccer team in the United States outside of the Houston Dynamo. Of course, um, love me a Tampa Bay Rowdies logo. I think it's it's ugly and fantastic. It's coming in 630 Wednesday. We will be traveling to Tampa. Um, Tampa Bay right now is not doing so hot in the USL. They're Looking at three losses, two wins in the last five. Their second bottom in the east of the USL Championship, which is the second highest tier of American soccer. Uh, And they are fourth bottom in the league after seven matches with just five points out of those seven games. Currently looking at a negative five goal differential. So this will be an interesting game. Um, It won't be interesting to see uh, because we can't see it because the USSF hates us and doesn't want us to stream this game for some horrible and crazy reason. But it will be interesting to find out from probably Twitter uh, who we play. Um, On the one hand, in Open Cup games, we typically see a highly rotated squad, and I think that we can expect to see some younger players or some, some subs get a good number of minutes here. But at the same time, uh, the, uh, everyone's just doing Houston dirty right now. They also, because our next game, which was scheduled to be LAFC this weekend, uh, LAFC advanced in the, the CONCACAF Champions League. And so they've postponed that game, despite the fact that many members of some of our lovely supporters groups uh, had already bought plane tickets to go to the game. They they went ahead and rescheduled that. that one pretty late. They are justifiably upset about that one. Thank you, MLS. We really appreciate it. Um, we don't have a game for another week and a half after this. So That's nice. uh, I would certainly expect to see some rotation. But at the same time, with no game in the weekend, maybe a little bit less rotation than we would normally see. We're going to play Sebas, and he's going to rock it. Zach? against the usl team woo (laughs) okay you know what how how great did uh san antonio do in this cup last season you better you better not make us be the one who gets cup set i want no cup sets that's fine all right well dinobot was pretty upset at the fact that we could not watch or stream he said no tech for the game well no tech from me we've got no dinobot for you guys tonight which is fine because one robots don't set our schedule and robots don't control this pod we're in charge so zach you get to give the first prediction you get to take dinobot spot how do you think this game's going to go down how do we win um sebis hat trick four zero amen that's what i'm talking about Who does he start zero? does he start um, that's what i'm curious about from you guys does sebis start like are we rotating him in he's got to start uh, 
he's got. Or is he just super subbing on it like early, like sixty minutes and taking Baird off? I think he's got to start. If you don't, if you don't give him a chance in the cup games, then he's just not getting any chances. And for the DP to not get any chances looks bad, in my opinion. And then Jake looks skeptical. Why do we sell? Jake looks skeptical every time I talk. Jake, tell him why. <laughs> Because you're wrong so often, that's how why dare I you. That's my every line. time you talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on on if we're shopping around. Uh, if he hadn't have played so much in the last game, I would have said no, he doesn't start. Um, him getting 30 minutes in this last game makes me think like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's he does start. Maybe we're not really uh, the shopping him around is not not going to take until the summer anyway. So maybe maybe he starts. You he heard gets it. Four goals against a bad team, and still doesn't start in MLS. Jake the uh, Jake the transfer prophet. Sebas starts in the U.S. Open Cup. Quote him. Go ahead, Scout. Give us your prediction. Two-zero uh, Dynamo. Griffin Dorsey scores. Griffin Dorsey. So you are thinking rotated. Uh, yeah, rotated. I think we'll see some rotation. Sure. Okay. I think both of you guys think too small. You got to broaden your horizons, boys. 4-0? 2-0? Guys, we're going out there to stomp and chomp. You know, you said it that the organization doesn't think we can win the three twos or whatnots. No, we're going up against a little boy. Second bottom in the East of the second highest American tier. We're going to... We're rock and rolling them, okay? Five goals. Five goals from your Houston Dynamo. A Sebas hat trick. Zach's right on the money. Man's going to score a PK. He's going to score two open goals, uh, open play goals, not open goals. And then you know what? Who gets they the other off two? off the keeper. <laughs> Who gets the other two? You, it, it's a wild night, man. Um, you got to have that that funny, like, strange goal that we seem to get. And I think, I think it's got to be Escobar's turn. He had an absolute rocket this past week. It was an awesome volley that a defender just like comes out of nowhere and smacks it away. Probably with his hands. I bet we got robbed there. Go back and watch. And anyway, I don't think it was a handball really, but he's due. He deserves it after that. So he'll get one. And then the other one's going to be Coco. Coco's going to score again. Love, love a little coconut goal. So five zero. And you know what? Tampa Bay are going to feel like they've been done rowdy. You know what I'm saying? And that moves us on to the fun wrap-up. This is a cup match that we have coming up, so I thought it'd be interesting if you guys gave your favorite cup moments. Zach, what's yours? Um, My favorite cup moment is our apparent uh, 5-0 victory over Tampa this week. (laughs) I'm outing myself here. I haven't watched a lot of of north american cup competition soccer <laughs> so um yeah i think my favorite cup moment is, is gonna be is gonna be wednesday night at some point except i'm not gonna get to see it unless we when can endorse somebody of our victory yeah can we can we like fly somebody to st petersburg florida to just like twitter live the game yeah set them up with a phone can we do that let's support race dynamo what? twitter space and just send somebody there to yeah, like the shaky video recording, like 2006 a, like a, Nokia handheld, yeah, bootleg, like <laughs> yeah, theatrical release video. Blair nope. Witch Project. The soccer we're not even game. going canon, man. <laughs> uh, all right, you know Zach, that's fair. The Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup is not for everybody. Jake, 
Give me your favorite cut moment. Yeah, it might not be for everyone, uh, but it is for me. And since he didn't actually give us one, I'm going to give us two. So uh, first, yeah. I was there when we won the U.S. Open Cup. I got to watch the legend himself, Demarcus Beasley, pick up one of the oldest trophies in American sports and lift it over his head. All of us there, all all the dozens of us that made it out on that rainy Wednesday night, so stoked. Uh, it was a great match. It was it was great to win. Um, my second would be the time that Scroggins and I, who we miss, he hasn't been on the pod in a little bit, and we miss his sardonic, sarcastic tone. Um, that was real, by the way. That was not me being sarcastic. We do miss him. Um, but I got to go to an Open Cup game with him, I believe against uh, Los Angeles FC, and we heckled Betashore, one of their defenders, who? mercilessly all night. And... It was silly. It, we yelled at him. We had we had low seats. We were near the field. I know he heard us, and I know we got under his skin. And his socks were constantly down. And Scroggins made sure he knew about his socks every two or three minutes. And I think it was one of the most effective hecklings I've ever seen. Because people get heckling wrong. They think it needs to be mean and dirty. It doesn't. It, it can be polite. It just has to be a persistent nuisance. And that's what we were that night. I once had a mom of a college baseball player turn around and tell me, hey, that's my son uh, when I was heckling him. So all I asked him is, was your number your age? Because he was number 12. I'll never forget it. Um, so, yeah, favorite. Was cup, he 12? Well, that's what I asked him. Is your number your age? He was number 12. <laughs> he was probably 17, 18. Who knows? Um, anyway, Jake, that 2018 cup run, I'm pretty sure it's 2018. That one, that's a favorite for me. I watched that with our good friend Nick Lopera, a lot of those games. And in a season that wasn't the best, that was some bright spots. And those are cherished memories. But my favorite cup moment. All right. It's all tied up in the 90th minute. We're going to extra time. All tied up at the end of the first half of the extra time. All tied up again at the end of the second half of a extra time it's time for pks they score we score they score we score they score we score three three they score we score four four they score we score five five marsh marches up to the spot you know veghorst just kissed the ball right before handing it over to him and marsh is upset about the kiss you could tell he sets the ball down and he skies it over the crossbar. He just absolutely scars it. And you know it skies it. Scars it's not even a thing. And you know it's because of the kiss that Veghorst puts on that ball before he hands it to him. And that's why he misses. And then, ladies and gentlemen, he walks up. Who did it? Who took the last one? Who was it? It was Victor Lindelof, I do believe. And he just says, yeah, I'm going to score this PK. And he does it. 7-6. Manchester United is moving on to the FA Cup final. And it's going to be a Manchester Derby. Haven't had one in how many years? I think it's the first time ever for the FA Cup. I am so excited. Man, this past weekend is my favorite cup moment of all time. We here at Dynamo Faith would like to apologize for wasting that much of your time. How dare you? Well, this has been a favorite recording of mine, and I can't wait to listen. I hope you all enjoyed it as well, and if so, 
be sure to rate us, subscribe to the pod, and leave an S-tier review. We're grateful. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Below. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. Cyberbullying is not real. (laughs) I think I just got fired from my job. Thanks, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, too many teachers in this in this year podcast. (laughs) Moving along, we have our rival rival watch. Our rival. rival. Okay, give me a moment. (laughs) It was the Survivor reference. (laughs) Sponsored by Survivor. If you don't love Jeff Probst, man, it's crazy. All right. We're...